I'm sensing some tension. But I think names just come to mind. I think there's something here. Hayley, stop fucking about, please. I swear it wasn't. I... Oh, we have to keep going. No. Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. And it is my honor and pleasure today to welcome our very special guest from one of the top-rated horror movies of 2020, Haley Bishop. Haley, thank you so much for being here with us. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Thanks for having me, John. This is very exciting. Oh, it's, it is very exciting. And I got to say, seeing you in this format on the screen again, you don't have any virtual seances being planned or anything, right? Because well, you never know. I mean, we'll see how this chat goes and what we get. <laughs> but luckily, at least I'm in a different uh, apartment now. So, you know, it's yeah. not the haunted one. A lot, you know, we'll have a little bit more toned down of a session here. Now, What's never explained in host, and this has always been like, you know, curious for me, is what prompted you to do that seance? Did you, we never get to find this out in the movie, but did Haley lose somebody? Uh, or is it something that you like exploring? Uh, so I, it, I, there's a couple things I can't say because okay. they have to be kind of left secret in case of a, a sequel. Oh. But I would say that character has um you know she's friends with Salen. she she's done these kind of seances before i think there's probably some loss there that she was trying to connect back with um but it's just you know she would have had a good time with it i mean i personally like the idea that there's like ghosts and an afterlife and you know the something else is out there i just think it's entertaining and fun um so i think that was what kind of actually led that my character was the one who wanted to be involved and be like yeah let's get together and like do something kind of different and wild and they were just bored you know they'd been on way too many pub quizzes at that point so it was, it was a way to mix it up yeah and being stuck in quarantine it fell perfectly uh i was wondering that sayla who was the medium that we never got to see uh, you think she advised Haley, hey, you better make sure your friends are completely on board with this and take this seriously or some bad stuff can happen? Oh, definitely. There would have definitely been a chat of like, hey, take this, you know, take this seriously, treat it like you would any other session um, because you just never know what could come through. I mean, we did a, a real seance actually, which I think has ended up on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Uh-huh with a medium um, that Rob, the director, knows. And she actually said that, you know, because it was over Zoom that we would have been totally safe and it was most likely that nothing would be able to kind of come through because we weren't holding hands and so we kind of played the opposite of that with the film. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I got a question for you. Now, uh, you're the one person, the actress in the movie, who comes across... Well, you don't speak with a British accent. You come very... uh, American, you know? So when I actually messaged you uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was very surprised to hear that you do live in the UK. So how did you end up in the UK? 
Sure. So I, I am American. Um, I am originally from Arizona, uh, but I came out here in 2014 to do my master's at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in an MA acting for screen program. And so I did, that's a year-long program, really great. If anyone listening is an actor, um, highly recommend. But I did the year, and actually at the end of that year is where I met Rob and Jed because we did uh, the short film Dawn of the Deaf as part of my master's thesis. And I'm not a thesis, my master's program. They kind of came in with the film and had to use us as actors. Uh, And Dawn of the Deaf, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it went on to, like, over 200 festivals and went to Sundance and just did exceptionally well um, that I at the end like when my visa essentially was ready to be come up with school I decided I wanted to stay in England because I had made some really nice connections here and had a great time working on that film and had made some friends and I thought oh actually it's probably better for me to stay here as an actor than to go back to LA where you know I'm a more of a dime a dozen in the sense that my American accent doesn't have as much charm. Yeah, in fact, I got to tell you, you are my first interview, and I can't remember how long with somebody who is not in LA. <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, that is that where you met? Because we know that you guys are all in the movie. First of all, you guys all use your real names, and I've read that you're all friends in real life. Is that where you met, like Gemma and Radina and Caroline and Alan and the rest of them? So, so Radina and Caroline and I all did the same program together. So we all met that year. And then Gemma was actually the year above us. So she had already graduated, but the, the program kind of keeps you connected with, you know, different great, different classes, um, different years. So we had met Gemma that year while she was producing one of the films that we were in. Um, and then we'd met Jed and Rob through Dawn of the Deaf. And actually a lot of the, a lot of the team was worked on Dawn of the Deaf. Surprisingly, we, you know, Alexi, our costume designer, was on that film. Steve Bray, who does VFX, was on that film. Um, I think, I'm sure, like, uh, you know, other little people that were on uh, host were actually pulled from Dawn of the Deaf because we kind of made that film and that was a real labor of love and stuck together. And then Emma was, she actually met Jed at Comic-Con, I think, maybe like two years ago two or three years ago and then Jed's first de- directorial debut as a film called Multiplex which he shot uh, two years ago uh, a short film that Emma is the lead in that and then he used all Gemma myself Radina and Caroline all in Multiplex and so then we got to meet Emma and so Emma was kind of integrated into the group and we've just stayed this kind of bundle of filmmakers that have you know become friends as well as colleagues over the last Five years. That's fascinating, and it culminated into this amazing movie. So the movie was written by Rob Savage, Jed Shepard, and uh, Gemma, another Gemma, right? Uh, yeah. Now, how? who came up with this concept? Whose idea was it first? The initial idea it was Jed. So Jed and Rob have kind of worked as a writing team for a little while now, and Jed, the story goes that Jed, you know, Shudder had approached Rob, because they wanted to see if he wanted to make a, uh, a longer film based off of the prank video we did. And so he you know, told Jed about that, and Jed texted him, I think at like four in the morning one night, Zoom seance. And so that was like the seed was then planted and then grew into what is now host. That's brilliant. It's, it's just brilliant. When you guys were actually uh, shooting it, we all know it was done through Zoom, but did you actually guy do you did you guys really use a a zoom session or was the zoom overlay added on later 
so we did. I mean, a little of both. We we did use the Zoom to film, but we used iPhones that were Velcroed to the back of our laptops. So the setup was basically because we were in quarantine and in, in full lockdown when we started shooting host, you know, Doug, our producer and Rob couldn't come over to anyone's homes. Couldn't we couldn't interact with each other. Um, so the way we've kind of worked around that was they were on Zoom with us where they would uh, kind of mute their video so that it was, acted almost like a video village. And then we lined up our iPhones that we were given. So the iPhone camera was just above the computer cameras. So they mm -hmm. were basically the same so that, you know, Rob and Doug could see essentially what we were filming. But we did use the footage from the iPhones just because they were better cameras and a little bit higher quality. Um, you know, my laptop is 2015, so like it's not the it's not the iPhone 11 camera anymore. Uh, so they so we use that, and then Zoom were kind enough um, to let us use their features and and have the full kind of Zoom package that our editor was able to layer on top of the actual final film and all the footage that she cut together. Which Brenna, the editor, is a wizard that she basically cut seven films together and then put all that on with the um, special effects of uh, VFX artists in the end. Well, Zoom must be loving it. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Now, in your opinion, without revealing too much, in case there is a sequel, uh, first question, do you guys think you were haunted by a demon or just uh, vicious human spirits? I think, I think personally that it was a little demon. Not a little demon, maybe he's a big demon, uh, who came through but took the form of what Gemma created, that that you know story she made up about Jack. I think he manifested that, but I, th I think it was a demon. I think we, we brought something forward, which, you know, maybe we need an exorcism in the sequel. Do you guys think it was, uh, do you think, this is all your opinion now that I'm asking, do you think mm -hmm. it was the same entity going to all of you, or was there more than one entity targeting different people Ooh, i've never thought of that yeah. uh, good question i think i like to think i think that it was just the one that it was one who kind of you know because it's a demon and they have supernatural abilities they could just zip over and you know maybe because of the way technology works you know how quickly we can communicate with each other in a text he could just instantly pop over through the through the computers maybe yeah. that's working and what's great about the movie is when i first watched it i'm like okay it's definitely a demon but then i was as i was re-watching i've seen it like three times now already uh the uh person hanging seems to be a theme uh mm -hmm. when they go up into the attic you see the feet and then the feet disappear dangling off the floor and then remember that shot when you're taking the polaroid and it's very, right. it was brilliantly done because you go to the rest of the group, do you see that? And we, we can't see it until you take that Polaroid and we look at the Polaroid. And then again, you could see the outline of somebody who is hanging. So it really, I love how they did that because it does leave the question open of, is this a demon or is this somebody who possibly committed suicide that was brought over because of the seance? looking for revenge if there is a sequel there's a so many different ways to take it it's it's beautiful that is kind of the nice thing is it's like i think the fan theories and and ideas that have sparked like that from the film like they've outlived our wildest dreams where we're like you know we didn't even potentially consider 
specifically what the demon was um, while we were shooting it because you know it was just such a quick turnaround and and now you're kind of now we're open to a lot of possibilities for for a sequel or for a future film and and it could very well be that it was I mean I hope not I hope my apartment was fairly new so you know who knows but but um funny was that story, actually your apartment you were living in yeah 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 so that was wow. our um, everybody filmed in their own homes because we we had no choice really because you you know we were in lockdown number one and so we weren't supposed to be leaving and going on location and so kind of the the beauty of host and how it worked was that, you know, we were just in the comfort of our own homes and had spent time with Rob before filming, walking around our houses to find things that were creepy in them, which, you know, stays with you once you finish and you're like, Oh, I can't really leave all the lights off anymore. <laughs> now shutter is a huge company. It's owned by AMC. Uh, it's a huge company. How did they feel? Well, whose idea was it for the 56 minute runtime? I think that was Rob and and Jed and Doug and and Gemma. I um I know they so when they first finished filming and we you know we sent all the footage over they had a ton of footage because we spent you know we would run really long takes we would do a lot everything all the dialogue is improv um, so they did have a lot to choose from and so I think the initial first cut was actually an hour and a half and that was like oh we've trimmed it to an hour and a half. Um, but the goal I remember the guy saying was because the Zoom free service is only 40 minutes, they wanted to keep it actually as close to 40 minutes as possible. And the fact that like, you know, my character was too cheap to upgrade. So her essentially her death is on her, her own for, for not upgrading to Zoom Pro. How, um, how did Shutter react to the time? The, the the length of 56 minutes did they say come on guys can't you make this you know at least 80 89 minutes or were they totally cool they were amazing i um i mean i from what i've heard from the guys and and just interacting with like emily and sam from shutter they gave them so much creative freedom and gave us all just the creative freedom to play um that i think the, even the initial cut they were you know had very few notes for and then when Rob and then and Doug trimmed it down to the 56 minutes, they really one of the things Rob is great at as a director uh, and as a filmmaker is like he is ruthless. He will cut scenes. He will run a scene long if it needs to be until he gets exactly what he wants. And he will cut stuff that just doesn't serve the film. And so I think they, you know, they could have run it along for an hour and a half and had a lot more in the beginning. Like we had backstories to characters and relationships between the characters and jokes and whatnot that never made it into the film because it wasn't serving the purpose and the pace of the film. And so I think he, they really landed on the 56 minutes because that was just enough time to really keep, you know, the audience engaged, but without having to drag too much out um, that potentially if it had been longer, the film wouldn't have had the success it has. The way I see it is, it's an hour and a half movie with the 30 minutes of fluff, or that's what I call it, fluff, removed. And you yeah. get straight to the vital, important scenes. Uh, now, you do explain how you all knew each other, Rob, you, uh, Gemma. Was there anybody that had to audition, uh, somebody that was brought in that was from outside the group? Yes. So, we I don't think he had to audition, but Teddy... Teddy was the only one who we didn't actually know. Um, he is part of Lucky 13 Action and a good friend of Nathaniel Martin and Matt, who are the stunt coordinators. And so Rob approached Nathaniel and said, oh, you know, we have this gag where we want to set someone on fire. 
do you know anyone? And he said, oh, I know the perfect guy, um, Teddy. He's, you know, he's really personable. He's really funny. He's a you know, wonderful actor as well as a stunt performer. And so Teddy was brought in, um, I think, initially because he has been trained with fire safety. But then day one, second one of meeting Teddy, I think all of us were a little bit in love with him. Like he, like, bless him, he called each one of us individually just to have a quick chat to get to know us because he knew the group was, you know, quite a tight knit group that he was coming into. And we welcomed him with open arms. And he's now like, it feels like he's been here the whole time. So he was probably the only one who the group didn't know. And then I guess Salen as well. Very similar thing with Salen where um, I think Rob had worked with her before, and so he needed to cast a medium uh, to play, you know, this part. Um, and funny thing, actually, she was the everyone except me was told that she was a real medium the whole time. So she had to kind of they all, you know, she would pretend and do her scenes, um, and all the girls would always, you know, try and be super polite and apologetic that they were, you know, mocking maybe her actual profession. And her and I would just be texting on the side in the Zoom chat, private chat function, yeah. uh, jokes to each other about how like serious everybody was taking it. And it wasn't until we finally wrapped filming, and I think actually it wasn't until we watched the final film that they told the rest of the girls that Salen was just was an actor. Okay. I love asking this question to my guests. Uh, when you're filming it, you know it's a movie, you know you got people around you. Uh, did it scare you watching the final product? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I can't, because we, um, I, I don't know if you know this or if the listeners know this, but so the scriptment we got actually had everybody's death redacted so that we couldn't, we wouldn't know how, um, how anyone died as we were filming it so that we could react to things in real time. So after your character is gone, like none of us knew anything about the film, what happened. So as soon as my character you know, dies at, at what you see, her first death, essentially. I didn't see any of Teddy's death. I didn't see anything that happens to Emma. I don't see anything until I pop back up at the very, very end. Mm -hmm. And so watching, like, I still find watching Teddy's scenes and, and every time the demon kind of pops up and, like, even that very end bit where <laughs> I'm walking down the hallway and I know, I'm like, okay, watch the countdown and then close your eyes. And I think I've only seen the end of the film maybe one time because it scared me so much. Well, I got a great story about the ending, the last second of the film. I had already watched it, and my executive producer, who was also my brother, came to town. I'm like, you got to watch this movie. So I made him watch it, and we're watching it, and we get to the end. And I've seen the movie. I know exactly what's coming. But when I saw it, that last second scene, that it ends on a jump scare, that last scene, I screamed like a five-year-old boy, like a, like a child. <laughs> yeah. It scared me, and I knew what was coming, and it just freaked me out. And my brother thought I was pranking him. I'm like, no, <laughs> that really freaked me out. Were you guys involved when the script was being written uh, by Rob and, uh, and company? Were you guys kept in the loop in the writing process? For example, the title host. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Did you think it was too open-ended? It could be anything or how did they explain oh, it to you? I think the title we were like, I remember hearing the title and I think everybody was like, yes, perfect. That is like, that's the best way to just sum it up. You know, I'm a big fan of one word titles, mm -hmm. so punchy. Um, and it just made sense. Like, it, you know, host can be, you know, obviously the host of the Zoom call. Host is, you know, 
something taking over another person's body. Like yeah. you just have so many double meetings and triple meetings um, that it seemed very fitting and, and was a good kind of punch to it. I think the initial, like another title might've been Zoom and I know it's been called Zoom in Japan, but, but host just felt like it felt sinister in a way, mm-hmm. which was good. Um, and then the writing process, we, so we, I remember we worked a bit with Rob and Jed. They, they, well, we did this initial uh, seance, and that was the first time we all met the writer Gemma Hurley because Rob and Jed know a lot of us very well. It's actually hard for them to probably be impartial as far as like pulling bits out of our personalities and where we would fit in the story. And because we're all such good friends, had it just been us, you know, being friends on screen, getting uh, haunted by a demon, it probably would have still been a very boring film because we're all very nice to each other and, and love each other very much. Um, and so we did this uh, seance and Gemma Hurley kind of was there and observing all of us and kind of picking bits of our personalities. I think that we could, you know, we could use as a character type and really push and run with, um, which then created all the dynamics that you see on screen. And then we were sent the initial scriptment, which was, you know, it's just, it's beat sheet really, not beat sheet, but it's bullet points where, okay, this this happens here and we would like this to happen here. And you know your character is gonna start uh, this way. And then by the end of the scene, they feel this way. Um, and you, or your scare level is going to go from a one to a four by the end of the scene. And so it was then up to us to then improv the dialogue and figure out how we were going to get to this point. And so they, um, they were able to then, I think, incorporate that stuff into the second draft to be like, okay, what worked, what didn't. And then, and then third, maybe it was, I'm trying to think, I don't actually know how many drafts of the scriptment there were in the end, but I feel like no more than three, just wise. Now, uh, how long did it take to shoot from, you know, first take till wrap? So we did the shooting, I think, in total was about two weeks. Okay. So we, we, we yeah, we, we did all the stunt work first. The first, you know, weekend, uh, luckily, we was lockdown was lifted just slightly that we were able to work if we needed to. And so we had the stunt team go to everybody's, you know, places where they were doing stunts or the stunts were, you know, uh, shot the first weekend. And then we shot solidly for a week, every day, normal shoot schedule. Um, and then I think we did a couple days in the weekend and then a couple pickup days and then a couple ADR days. But in total, I know from initial Conception to delivery was 12 weeks in total, so which includes all the post and editing and whatnot. So it was a pretty very fast turnaround. Now, this is very different from, uh, let's say, an independent film uh, because this was uh, sanctioned by Shudder. Was the film uh, shown in any festivals? Uh, or because Shudder had it, they had the exclusive rights, it went straight to Shudder? No, it's so it initially it was dropped on Shutter. Just you know, they obviously had the rights to it, but then because of the success of the film on Shutter and the and the fan, um, the fan base that grew, it, it's been now. I mean, it's had international release in. I know it was in Croatia and Brazil and and Mexico and it's in Japan and I think in Indonesia and like you know we keep hearing every other day it's in different countries now which is incredible and then it has been in a few festivals um, I'm terrible I can't actually name them off the top of my head but we had a um, a fairly big horror festival in Portugal that they did a big screening of and we did a and A Q&A with afterwards and I think it's still going to have 
potentially a little bit of a festival run. I'm not 100% sure because it's now being released in theaters and, and on Netflix and you know, making its way around the world. Um, I'm not sure how that will react with the festival circuit, but yeah, we're I'd, hoping... I'd put hosts in the category of movies where, yeah, it gets released, you get, uh, you know, it gains interest, but I think it's just one of those movies as the months wear on, it's just going to keep growing in popularity and keep growing and growing and growing. And I would actually be surprised if there isn't a sequel because uh, from what we see, you and Gemma are still alive by the end of the movie because that's, that's what we're left with. Assume. I mean, it doesn't look for you. It doesn't look good for you guys on that last scene, uh, but you're but still... You don't die you don't technically see us die exactly you are still alive what would you say was the most challenging part about filming for you Ooh, um the most challenging part i think i've got two so i mean the doing this stunt was probably was really physically challenging because i've never done any stunt work before and and so that you know took a day of throwing my body on the floor and making sure i was you know uh arranging myself properly so that I could be dragged out a hallway and, and just doing that over and over and over again and trying to, you know, keep the same energy uh, every take. And we and Rob likes to do a lot of takes, and so we, we definitely did it until it was perfect, essentially. Um, but then also, um, because we were shooting from our homes and, you know, we're not, you didn't have a full crew or even any crew really available to us, there was initial learning curve in the beginning uh, just for setting up the equipment and making sure the lighting is correct and then, you know, figuring out how to send the footage correctly without deleting it, which I did at point points. Uh, unfortunately, nothing terrible, though. Uh, and so just that kind of initial, like, making sure you had all your ducks in a row before you even started doing the acting part was, was always a little bit challenging um, for the first couple of days, and then you get used to it. And... And because we were a team of friends, you know, any mistakes that did happen were kind of just, okay, let, you know, that's okay, let's fix them and figure out a solution rather than, oh, no, all is lost. Um, but yeah, trying to trying to be a film crew and an actor at the same time, it made me really appreciate even more than I already did uh, everybody on set that, that goes into making a movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you said stunts. That kind of surprises me because uh, we see you getting dragged from the floor but from your camera's perspective they actually dragged you while you were holding your mobile device to make it that realistic no so the the camera did the phone did stay attached to the computer luckily otherwise that would have been probably way above my pay grade but but um i did have to be dragged many times um and my partner luckily he is you know, carries has a bag of ropes from climbing days and and scaffolding days in his in our apartment. So he had to run down our hallway many many times, dragging me on that chair. Oh um, God! Yeah, it was it was fun. It was you know I would I loved doing it, but it you know it does physically drain you after a while. That scene that I played at the opening of this episode, where you get like moved ten feet back on the chair, was that just you know somebody had the chair tied in the back and when the time came they just yanked you back oh yes so that's that was a, a rigging up the chair well enough and making sure that i you know made my counterweight perfect so that i didn't fly off the chair and and then my my poor boyfriend having to run full speed luckily the house had that long hallway but full speed down the hallway 
over and over and over again. And of course, every time Rob is like, can we just get a little faster? Maybe just like a little bit faster to like, it was, you know, at to the point where like, that's, as, that's it. That's as fast as we can go, um, you know, without essentially him probably losing a leg or something. Yeah, I'm sure you were hoping, God, let's just get take get this, get this on one take so it can be done with. Yeah. Uh, any special mental preparation you had to do for the role of Haley? Well, you are mm -hmm. Haley, but you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. 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 I we um, I worked actually with Rob and and Gemma individually. Well, the three of us essentially did a little character prep because you know Gemma is a good friend of mine. It's hard to yell at your friend when you're you know not mad at them or they've done nothing real really wrong. Yeah, I'd actually found that quite challenging. I was like, I don't know what what do you what's a mean thing to say to someone? Like I'm not used to screaming at people. Um, so we we did a lot of prep to the three of us together to try and figure out those dynamics. And then I went off and did kind of my own, you know, character backstory and, and tried to like create that dynamic of why she and Gemma don't get along and what is it about, you know, her that grinds my gears. And then, um, and then we just said, you know, the scenes we had to do where we do watch our friends die on screen, uh, that, you know, that took a lot it takes a lot of energy to cry that much and for that long and to be in that state of hyper stress. Uh, so there was a bit of kind of prep before those scenes just to make sure that like, you know, we were hydrated and we kind of understood the reality of the situation and like the stakes that were there. Because if you, if you played it like, Oh, it's not that bad, big of a deal rather than your friend is literally going to die in a terrible, uh, terrible way in front of you. It just wouldn't have the same punch. So it, that, that was, that was those days required long walks in the sun afterwards. I could totally see that. Would you say uh, you're, you know, an open-minded person to say that we don't know everything and there is a possibility of demons and spirits out there? Yes, definitely. Yeah, me too. I, I, yeah, I think it's. I, if if nothing else, I just find it uh, really cool. Was there was there any part of you that you said, you know, damn? we might actually conjure something real here <laughs> a little bit a little i had to i kind of had to put those thoughts to the back of my mind to not freak myself out then and to be in my house i i found comfort and we did close all the seances every day because the girls all thought that ceylon was a real uh median we did have to close the seance which i secretly found comfort in um and then but then i like to think that you know because we were making a movie and it wasn't in is in it, it wasn't trying to be disrespectful that it was you know we were we were safe we yeah, were okay yeah I, I totally uh i totally understand that now um in between takes when you guys were in the zoom session did, i'm sure there was a lot of joking around trying to keep the mood light am i am i am i right oh yes we uh we because because it's it's very you know as i said it was it's stressful it's hard to stay in those those moments all the time. Um, so if we had a point where we were getting like a little too intense that it was maybe affecting the performance or we just needed a break, um, uh, one of the best ones, Rob just put on ABBA, Dancing Queen. Like, <laughs> up. like we just had a weird dance party alone in our dark living room. So it was almost like being at a club, I guess, uh, as close as we've gotten to a club in a year. Um, <laughs> We would dance around together or um, I remember one of the last nights of filming and it was quite late, you know, we're trying to, me and 
uh, Gemma were finishing our last scene and we were with Doug and Rob and we just all started doing like these silly cartoon voices between takes. Like we'd only speak to each other as if we were like characters on Bob's Burgers or some silly cartoon. It seems to me from the beginning of the movie, before the uh, seance is even initiated, there's that you hearing the the strange sounds coming out of your closet. Yeah, it could have been the stuff where you open the closet and the whole bunch of stuff falls out. But there's these little clues and hints dropped throughout the whole movie that you specifically are being targeted by whatever this is. Um, was that done intentionally? I think so. I think we we had a few more of them that actually got cut from, from the initial beginning bit. Um, but yeah, there is a real unease with, with Haley's character in the... Uh, in the beginning of of the movie and and you know stuff falling out, she is not comfortable in her home already, no. which makes me think that there's there's something more behind, and maybe that's why she wanted to do a seance so badly was you know get something removed from her own house. Yeah, that's not left for much doubt. You are very serious about this. You want everybody to take it very seriously, and it's not mentioned. It's not spoken about, but we as the audience are left to feel that you do have some kind of a personal uh, vested interest in this that we don't get to find out about. Now, if it does go to a sequel, and again, not reveal anything, do you see the sequel uh, continuing to be filmed as a footage film, or is it going to have to flip to a traditional movie uh, seeing you? Like, for example, I see the beginning of the sequel where you're institutionalized from the trauma that you had to experience. A little bit like uh, Jennifer's body, beginning of yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, and I would hope that it would flip to a kind of traditional filming sense, only because I think we've done it, we did it in Zoom kind of really perfectly, or we've done it as, you know, really well, that I would hate to then do it in Zoom and, and it not be exactly the same or not being able to you know tell the story in the same way i think a sequel and and whatever that may be you know it'll depend on the on the story and what medium fits it the best but i kind of see it as being like exactly like you said like maybe being an institution like following her a little bit more closely and 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 just the capabilities that you know using a full camera team and lighting and you know different lenses and kind of all the magic that cinema does offer i think could create a really cool story uh and be it's be a different film rather than trying to replicate what host was it would be like doing the sequel as its own entity and I can almost guarantee you, because of the success of Host, the budget for a sequel will be much bigger. <laughs> well, take that trailer. <laughs> it will be much, much bigger. Uh, when you did get dragged in that scene again that I showed, when you got pulled back in that chair, while everybody else is terrified, you were excited. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. Uh, you did not actually fear that... Uh, we might have tapped into something bad here. It was nothing but excitement for you that you did make contact and you wanted to keep it going. Uh, is that how Rob told you to play out that scene? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. That was his direction of being like, we were, um, throughout the script, Rob had given us all a scare rating for each little scene. So you kind of knew, okay, at, 
you know, at this point, your character is very scared. So Caroline's was basically at a five the whole time versus my character stays at a one or a two most of the film. And I think because she has experience with medians and, you know, is into the supernatural, having something actually happen in your house would be so exciting because whether or not you, you know, initially she wasn't thinking it was going to be a demon and something evil. She was no. thinking it was you know, who knows, maybe her grandmother, maybe a, maybe an old friend or, or Elvis had come to visit her. Um, so I think I think the excitement was there just because it's something, you know, you almost confirming all your, you know, hopes and suspicions that like there is a supernatural world. It's like that confirms it. At which point did Rob tell you for you, for your character, that your mood is supposed to change? You're like, OK, this is not fun anymore. This is something serious. So when when Salen drops out of the call and there, it, I, I don't know if it is as audible uh, on in the actual film, but there's a real there's from my character she hears a real scream, a death death curdling scream mm. um, from Salen at that point, and so that was the point where she's like, oh no, no this has actually gone horribly wrong. Like some you know Salen has already told them that it's basically they've ruined you know they've messed up and. And there's probably a uh, somebody there making trouble. Um, and then to hear her and have her drop off like that really kind of made her, makes Haley scared. That's the first time I think she's like properly scared. Yeah. Uh, for me, one of the freakiest death is uh, when uh, Rodina's boyfriend drops from the roof uh, dead. That would be like, whoa. I mean, uh, it's... I yeah, every time, every time in the film, I always jump at that. Well, uh, watching the movie, there's so many different scare points, uh, including the very last second. Which one is the one that scares you the most? Which scene scares you the most? The worst, the probably the scariest scene to me is is when Teddy's running through the barn, and and the demon pops up at him because I always just forget it's coming. That's the one that I, you know I've seen the film probably like ten times at least by now, and I, every time I'm so invested into the characters and kind of I'm in the film uh, that when that comes out and it and it, I think it causes his lamp to break and then he's you know on the ground that every time freaks me out. Uh, yeah, for me, there's so many. I don't think I could even pick one. Now, that last <laughs> scene that ends on a jump scare, uh, was that sort of influenced because uh, Rob Savage had a video that went viral? Uh, not a whole bunch of info on that, but is that what influenced him to end the movie on that type of scene? I think so. We had, so the, the um, he did a prank on, on us over Zoom where he, he, it was actually similar to the attic scene a little bit, where where he pretended that um, there was a, some some noises coming from his attic, and so he somehow made a, made it that we were all watching on Zoom, and he had cut to pre-recorded footage from the movie Wreck, where it was mm -hmm. this uh, child that pops out of the attic, and so that pop really is what you know made the video go viral because you're seeing our unsuspecting faces screamed. Um, and I think, I think he, you know, as far as jump scares go, I know he was trying to avoid kind of the tropes and whatnot and not just, you know, put in jump scares just because they're an easy gag. Um, but because almost in the fact that there's a countdown and you almost know it's coming, like 
you know, you can see in the corner that it's going four, three, two, one, like something's going to happen. And with um, the clicks of the light, the flashlight, you know, usually you'd think, okay, on the third light is when something's going to happen. And yeah. so he, you know, doesn't have it on the third one, it's on the fourth one. But um, so I think it was in a way he was like, well, these, you know, they, they, we need a jump scare in this. We need something terrifying and a bang to end the film. Um, but in the sense that he didn't want to just like, put it in for, for putting it in safe. So he, you know, tried to make sure that he was almost warning the audience that it was coming. So, but it still works. It's still scary and it's still a great way to go. The Zoom call gets cut off. So you don't actually get to see what happens if we fight the demon or not, or if we I Did Rob try to tell you guys uh, sort of in the background as to, not that we got to see as the audience, but what kind of demon you guys might be dealing with to help you act it out better? No. No. The um the only thing we really got was that Polaroid, which is terrifying. I um we yeah because we I don't think we saw anything of the demon other than you know the other than the Polaroid photo. And mm. I actually had a moment where I had you know had to take a ton of Polaroids in that in throughout the film, and I had them all stacked up somewhere mid shooting and I, you know, just picked one up and turned it over and thought it was one that I had just taken of an empty hallway and it was the one with the hanging man in it and gave myself a real freak out that that is actually what I had taken and had a little panic attack for a second. In your own apartment too, no less. Uh, Now, all said and done, host is done, you know, were you guys holding your breath to see what the reaction would would it be? Did anybody even add the faintest clue that it would be the top horror movie of 2020? Not a clue at all. I mean, we even when we started filming, it was kind of pitched more that it was probably going to be a short film, maybe a long form short film. You know, it's going to go on Shutter, and then and how exciting that we get to make something um, while we're in lockdown. And when it even when we watched it the day before it dropped, we were all like, "Oh, this is like this actually turned out really well. It's really good." But it's hard to judge your own work all the time to be like, "Well, I think it's good." Like, but is anyone else going to think it's yeah. good? And then I think it was the first weekend that we started getting messages and, you know, reviews started to come out and just like all these fan, um, you know, big fan websites and like Pangora and Empire and whatnot. They, you know, started posting about host and have you heard this and Twitter just went exploded with people messaging us and tweeting about host. And we were like, oh, my God, I think like. I think we've done something here and then just to see every week since i think it dropped it's been like and now it's in new york times and it keeps growing it's, yeah it's 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 wild we still get you know i think it came out on in on netflix in mexico and brazil last week or the week before and that was a huge surprise because we just you know we we don't find anything out until it drops really and it's in theaters in croatia right now and yeah. like you know fans will post on twitter and it's just the most exciting thing to to see and interact with people from all over the world now that have seen the film and loved it. Uh, As far as your career goes, since the film is obviously so popular, uh, are you getting a lot more audition requests? How has it affected your career? It's, uh, it's kind of good. It's it's still, I think taking, taking off essentially. I think there's definitely been a push. Um, I've had better auditions uh, than I did in, in previous years. Um, I think because of the pandemic, it's still a bit, you know, is not as incredible as 
it might have been had we not still been in a full lockdown here in London and, you know, and, and L.A. hadn't been shut down for you know months at a time. Um, but I do see that, like, you know, if anything, it's just been like I've been able to talk to people like yourself and, and doing all these interviews and, you know, see kind of my Twitter and my Instagram following go up and, and all that stuff, you know, kind of even just like meeting other directors and filmmakers and producers that have seen the film and, and really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of all laying the stones for, I think something better and bigger to come. So I'm, I'm, I'm holding out for the end of the year to be a real exciting thing. Exactly. Hopefully we'll be in a much better place by then. Since the movie has come out, have you traveled back to the States at all to do any, I know we're not doing in-person promotional appearances or that, but have you had a chance to travel back to the States uh, for any kind of work and promotion for the movie? No. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think just with COVID, it's it's still, you know, every even if I, even if we did, I think, like, you know, the U.S. is so, was so locked down for so long and, and you, know, you know, had a lot of restrictions and also then it would have had restrictions coming back to the U.K. Um, I was able to go home for Christmas to see my mom and that was very exciting. Oh, um, but I was pretty much staying within my small, you know, within my house in my town um, in Arizona. So I didn't actually, you know, it's, it's kind of strange because we haven't actually been able to like be around people other than the screenings of the film um, here in London to actually experience like the excitement of the film in person with other people. It's all been online still. And, and even I know we're doing, I think we're doing something, some sort of um, like one-on-one -on -one fan in meet and greet kind of thing in the future. Um, but it's all still online just because, you know, nobody want the insurance alone wouldn't pay for us yeah. to fly the world yet. I totally get that. Are you a horror fan personally? So I wasn't before host. Uh, I was a big scaredy cat and, and would get nightmares from films. Uh, I think like I went to see The Grudge, I think was the last horror film I went to see. You know, the, the one with Sarah Michelle Gellar, the, mm -hmm. you know, not the most recent one. And I took a blanket to the theater with me so I could put it over my face because <laughs> uh, I was terrified. But actually, what, now having done... The film, um, Rob and Jed are like encyclopedias when it comes to horror films. They know everything and they've seen everything. And they would actually, before we do takes, Rob would play us clips from different horror films just to give us kind of a sense of the dread and, and, and this you know scariness that was about to ensue. Um, and from that, he played a few clips and I was like, oh, this looks like a really interesting movie. Like, I really want to check this out. And so I've started now to try and like watch more horror and and because of being introduced to the horror community and 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 how amazing the fans are it's like i feel like i owe i owe it now to actually like get more involved within horror movies and so you know slowly trying to walk work my way through uh, an, an entire anthology of films essentially but so moving, <laughs> oops sorry uh so moving forward in your career you are not gonna kind of shy away from the horror industry. You are you got a taste for it now, and you like it. Oh my god, it was so fun! I I actually think like as an actor, <clears throat> it's you know it's not celebrated enough acting in a horror film. Like you know, I was saying earlier, you never get to like scream and yell and and experience these kind of intense emotions like you do in a horror movie. 
uh, in real life that often and or have the permission to do it in a safe environment. And so actually it was it was thrilling as an actor to be able to to do that, this type of film that I would love to do another horror. Um, I think there's, you know, there's a weird stigma sometimes against horror films, um, you know, because maybe they're slasher films or it's blood and guts and whatnot. But uh, I think when you get a good horror film, like the stories are incredible and that and, and you can just come up with some amazing scripts like I would. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to do more more horror. Now. Is it true you started your own production company, Bish Media? I did. I did. A couple of years ago, it's it's very, I'd say, uh, it, I started it mainly because I started making my own short films um, out of grad school uh, and, and realized, you know, it kind of ne- needed a production company to kind of umbrella all these films I wanted to make and, and start writing. And then I've started more recently in the last, like, even like this year, trying to kind of build it up to actually be a, a more functioning production company. But it's a, it's a slow work in progress as acting takes up a lot more of my time than, than I have to give to the production company all the time. But yeah, working there, I want to be like Reese Witherspoon one day and just run in, we're on Hollywood. Uh, uh, we got this uh, rather uh, odd question from a viewer, but do you have any connection to a, to country music? They were referencing uh, you enrolled at San Diego State uh, before moving to Nashville, and you kind of got big into country music. What's that about? Uh, I, I was never in Nashville. That's so funny. The, the internet, you forget how much stuff is on the internet from <laughs> now. But I, I, I did actually, so I went... Um, I went to San Diego State, and before I my uh, majored in theater and acting, I had dreams of being a country singer because I grew up in choir, and my parents were, you know, had bands and were big musicians, uh, and so I'd always thought I was going to actually be a country singer one day, and and moved to Nashville, and then I took a theater class at San Diego State by Martin Katz. If if anyone knows Martin Katz, he's not teaching there anymore, but he's a legend. And, and kind of never looked back and thought, oh, this is actually, this is more what I want to do. I want to create stuff and jump around and pretend I'm seaweed and, you know, play as different people. So I, now I just think, oh, it would be great if I could get cast in something where I play a country music artist. Well, that'd That's be the great. next goal. That would be awesome. So do you have, uh, like, any confirmed projects that are you're going to be involved in here soon? Or are you still just, you know scoping out the field for right now bit scoping out so we did um we've got something kind of come like a small small bits that'll be out later this year um that i can't talk about just now okay but and then and then working on actually my own uh another short film i think that of my own and and potentially a tv series pitching around that but yeah nothing nothing quite mega yet Okay, you were also part of the Has Fallen uh, franchise. What was that like? Oh, so fun! That was, uh, I mean, it was great. We had, uh, I got to shoot like small bits, but um, we were in the White House. You know, Morgan Freeman was there for a bit of it, which he's just a legend, and you know, got to hang out with Gerard Butler a little, and he's a lovely human, just like the nicest. Um, but it was that was really fun being in the Oval Office set and and just being amongst that I, group. I, of- I love that franchise. I and you know it's it's an action packed, but I, I I love the uh, the Has Fallen franchise. Haley, we are pretty much out of time. 
It's been, I can't believe this hour has just flown by. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. Uh, thank you so much for your performance in host. Like I said, in the uh, chat, uh, clubhouse chat, where we spoke the other day, I came across uh, host just by accident. And I'm like, all right, let me check it out. And I just fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. And it was amazing. And I thought it was going to be just a B-type horror movie. Man, was I wrong. Uh, a gem. And hearing uh, Jed speak also as well, he sounds like a brilliant uh, writer. And it's great to, uh, to hear it. And guys, if you don't know, if you uh, are a member of Clubhouse, Haley and Jed are in there pretty often hosting Clubhouse chats. And you get to hear them talk. It's pretty amazing. I highly recommend it. Uh, like I said, do you have any final thoughts, Haley, you want to share? Oh, just a big thank you for having me on, John. This has been great questions, really fun. I mean, I, I can't even believe it's already been an hour, so this is great. It is. We are approaching an hour, and it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in at this special time. Haley, we'll be chatting again. Guys, stay safe. On behalf of uh, Haley Bishop and myself, stay walking, guys. Till later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.